Thanks for tuning in to another edition of Bearcat Rewind, talking on Northwest Missouri State football. Last week we spoke with Tony Miles, an All-American wide receiver and kick returner for the Bearcats. And sticking with that 1999 trend once again this week as we have former linebacker Wes Simmons. Wes was on both the 1998 and 1999 National Championship team, so he has a pair of rings. He also received his Masters from Northwest, uh, went on to work for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and now currently the president, CEO, and a national presenter for three-dimensional coaching, which goes beyond just wins and losses, but character as well. And Wes talks about that in this podcast, about how Mel Church was that model for 3D coaching for him back at Northwest before he really knew what it was, and that's kind of stuck with him ever since. So uh, fun stories here with Wes, not only about football, but about life, about coaching. So uh, be sure to stay tuned for that. Uh, we want to thank everybody for tuning in and thank our sponsors as well, the Northwest Missouri State Alumni Association and Northwest Foundation. You're invited to celebrate the kickoff of the Forever Green Campaign for Northwest coming up October 24th at 3.30 at the Bell Tower on campus. The Forever Green Campaign is part of an effort to pave new pathways for students to excel. You can be a champion for Northwest and leave your legacy. Help make the vision of the Forever Green Campaign a reality for students who will come to know what so many others have learned before them that nothing compares to being forever green. So come out to celebrate the campaign kickoff. Once again, that's October 24th at the Bell Tower. And thanks also to Mosaic Medical Center Maryville for their continued support. If a sports injury sidelines you from your favorite activity, don't worry. You have a team of experts ready to help. From sprains and strains to breaks and more serious injuries, our orthopedic and sports medicine professionals in St. Joseph, Maryville, and Albany have the skill and experience to get you back in the game as fast as possible. Mosaic Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, we're all in to get you back in. Now let's dive into our interview with Wes Simmons here on Bearcat Rewind. Well, excited to have Wes Simmons joining us now as we uh, dive back into that 1999 National Championship season for Northwest Missouri State. Uh, Wes, first off, I want to say uh, we appreciate you taking some time to chat with us. And um, it has to be kind of cool to think back that we're, you know, two decades um, past that, but it's still um, – that win over Carson Newman is still so big for Northwest Missouri State lore and, and what it did for this program. Yeah, I guess that feels cool. kind of makes me feel old, but <laughs> I'm excited to talk about it and, and relive some of the glory days, that's for sure. Is that one of those that, I mean, is it, is it still fresh in your mind to where it's kind of like you kind of close your eyes and kind of it's like watching game tape? There's a lot of the game I forgot. You know, of course, when you play defense and the other team scores 52 points, you try to forget some of that. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, our offense showed up that day. But, yeah, there's certain moments that, that are etched in my memory forever uh, that, I'll, that I'll never forget. What are some of those moments, Wes, uh, when you look back at uh, that particular game and really even that season? What are some of the things that really stand out to you? <clears throat> well, the thing that stands out to me most about the 1999 season was the amount of adversity that we went through as a team to get to that game. Uh, I don't know if you've, you've talked about that in any of the previous uh, talks with any other players or things like that, but, you know, our season started out uh, with a devastating blow when Greg Wayne got diagnosed with cancer. That was in the off season. And then Aaron Becker, you know, he tore his ACL the second day of practice. So we had two defensive captains out before we ever uh, really even put on pads. And then, of course, the UNO game was a disaster. Uh, we got out a wake-up call there at State at halftime. I remember Steve Comer going ballistic in the, <laughs> the locker room and lit a spark and turned into a fire, and we came out and got on a roll and uh, kind of went through the rest of the season. And then, of course, uh, uh, 
senior RT, Matt Vogie's younger brother, Phil, who was a freshman, died in a car wreck last year. You know, that was just a devastating blow to our entire team. Uh, and the, the, four, the four games leading up to that championship, you know, we'd been through so much, or the four playoff games, that is, and now we were down in the fourth quarter. We'd been through so much to the end of, to before that game ever started. Um, I, you know, I think that the strength of our team really was not just in our, you know, skill set. We had, we had good athletes, but really it's because when you go through that kind of adversity, you know, you really open your hearts to each other. And, and one of the things I always think about is that love is one of the greatest motivators in the universe. I mean, you'll do more for people you love than anybody else. A lot of times we have to learn that lesson the hard way, and we have to go through hard times to really kind of, you know, open, open ourselves up relationally to each other and really lean on each other like that. But the thing that I remember most about that 1999 game was in uh, the fourth quarter. You know, the odds were dismal. We were not going to win that game by any stretch of the imagination unless some miracle happened. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember we went for the onside kick. We didn't get it. And I remember taking the knee next to uh, a couple of the defensive linemen on the sideline. And I just remember having this thought. Well, we're not going to win another ring, but I'm going to go down swinging. You know, and, and what I meant by that, I, that was the actual thought I remember having, but what I meant by that was even though we're not going to win a championship, we've been through so much together, I'm going to leave everything out there on the field, whether we win or lose, and it's not because of the extrinsic reward of a championship ring or another trophy. It's because I love these guys, and I'm going to leave it out on the field for them. And that's the essence of love that I'm talking about, when you self-sacrifice for the benefit of others. And and the, the miracle does happen when you get a whole group of, you know, a whole team with that same mentality and, and that kind of self-sacrifice for everyone else's benefit. It, the miracle happened. So uh, just an incredible moment there. And, uh, you know, the rest was history, as I said. You know, like you mentioned, an amazing season and so much adversity, and a lot of times that that does have a way of bringing people together, especially when you guys, you, you practice so much, you're on the bus, you're in the locker room together so often. Every great team's going to face some sort of adversity, some kind of bump along the way, I think, but at some point, there has to be a straw that breaks the camel's back. I mean, at, at, from everything that you guys faced that season into the playoffs and the championship, I mean, you're, you, you're coming back from so many different games. Um, that should break most teams. And you, you talk about the, the love and, and everybody coming together, um, but it's just amazing how, you know, it never seemed to break this football team. Even in the darkest moments, you guys find, found a way to pull that out. And then, of course, uh, defensive play in the end, recovering a fumble, uh, you know, is what ends up winning that football game. It's just incredible to think about to everything you guys fought back from. Yeah, I think that, you know, a lot of times I think of it like this. It's the speed of the leader, speed of the team. And we were very fortunate to have really a head coach in Coach T who had that that strength of character, that, that sense of identity and work that wasn't just entirely rooted in how we performed. And so he was a – you know, he, he pushed us for excellence, but he also had a great perspective on uh, things that are bigger than just wins and losses. And I think having that anchor uh, for the team through turbulent waters certainly helped, you know, steady the ship. And and then that just flowed down from him and his coaching staff, same thing. And then we had great senior leadership, and then that you know, that's permeated down. And really, I think that's the strength of the program even to this day is that, uh, you know, 
clear back when Coach T and that staff began to architect what's what's become really a, a, a culture, a transformational culture. Uh, you know, it all starts with the coaching staff and really them having a greater sense of why, the why behind the X's and O's. And that was to not just win games, but to to help, you know, young boys become men that would be good leaders and good uh, citizens and good fathers and husbands someday and those types of things. Wes, you remember that uh, 1998 team as well as the uh, 99 championship team. And we've talked a lot about the adversity the 99 team faced, including in the championship game. But it really seems like the 98 season was uh, kind of the reverse of that. How would you compare the two uh, championship rings that you have? Uh, I'd say I would say that as a team, for sure, it, you know, 98 kind of went off without a hitch. A um, couple, couple, couple tight games there. Now, for me personally, the adversity hit close to home because it was in 98 that I lost my older brother, Jason. So that was a real turbulent year for me. And I was so thankful to have, you know, great teammates to come alongside me. And a lot of those were the same guys. And, and to win that championship in 98 was, was just a great, uh, you know, it, it was a great source of healing in my life as I, as I journeyed through that. And I think that in, in some ways that may have, you know, at least personally prepared me for some of the adversity that we went through the next year. Um, you know, with, with, with the exception of Phil, obviously, you know, anytime, any, every loss is tragic and there's no comparing the two, you know, but all the other stuff, you know, for me, didn't seem that big a deal you know, anymore that you, know, you wanted to win, but it's like, you know, when, when things like life and death hit you in the face, you know, a loss at UNO is not as big a deal, but at the same time, when you can when you can overcome those really hard trials of life, it just prepares you well for those minor trials, and you press on through. Uh, but but it did set, set up one of my favorite memories along those lines. Uh, in in '99, we were at Western, and it was actually, you know, it'd been a, it'd been a year since my brother died. He died in April April 23rd of 1998, and so it was. We played Western, and it was his birthday weekend in October. And so my heart was heavy that weekend, and he would have been uh, 24. And, uh, you know, their quarterback was nice enough to uh, try to isolate me on the backside with a tight end and threw me up and give me, and I took it to the house for 63 yards. So that was a, that was a fun memory. But, but not only just for the, the sake of helping the team win and get a touchdown on defense, which is a rare thing, obviously, for a linebacker, but uh, just the meaning that had for me personally to be able to do that on, on my older brother's birthday was pretty cool. You know, we talk a lot uh, throughout the Northwest Missouri State campus, and it's it's always pushed that uh, family is such a huge thing. And uh, 20 years ago, was that something that was preached very much, or is that something that, that you guys just developed, that camaraderie to where, um, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, tragedy you're experiencing there in your life or, or that uh, adversity that other people are facing in their lives that you guys come together? I mean, is that something that has always kind of been around that Maryville community since you've been around? Well, I'd say that it definitely was fortified in those early years because of some of those things. Uh, but I also think it was architected by the coaching staff. I mean, I remember in, in 90, we said it had been the, uh, the, the winter, early spring of 96 when I took my recruiting visits. I was always kind of one of those tweener kids that, that was, you know, I thought I was a D1 kid. I was getting letters after all. Letters mean scholarships, I thought, but. The reality was <laughs> I was a bubble guy for that level and ended up being invited to walk on. So my, the only options I had were D2 schools. And because I guess I had enough ignorance or arrogance or maybe a combination of both as a, as a senior, I hadn't done any homework on D2 schools. And when it 
when it came down to D2 schools, I didn't know anything about any of them except Northwest. And here's what I knew about Northwest. I'm not going to Northwest. <laughs> and it was nothing personal against Northwest. It was just that my parents went there, and I guess I had enough rebel in me at 18 that I wanted to go at least 500 miles away from there. Uh, but I figured I might as well take the trip. <laughs> and, and so I intentionally actually set that up the last weekend before signing date. And I remember when I went on campus there, there was something different. And I'm not talking about facilities and those types of things because they weren't that impressive in 1996. But I'm talking about the, the, the atmosphere. The co- you could tell that the coaches were using their authority to create an atmosphere where relationships flourished. And you heard it from the players. You heard, man, come, they, they were excited. They wanted me to come and be a part of the team. They used words like brother and family, and you could sense the authenticity of that. Uh, I remember Greg Bonnet was a guy that hosted me on my recruiting trip. There's a guy named Chad Morton who uh, only played there a couple of years, but he's from my alma mater. But they were so great to just welcome me into the family as a recruit. And really the beauty of that drew me into it. I ended up taking the worst offer I had at Northwest. <laughs> uh, but it ended up being the best decision I ever made. So, um, you know, I, I think that it, it's a little combination of both. I think that the, the life experiences that we had in, in the as, as a program, you know, we were able because of good leadership with our coaches to take those dark threads and weave them into a, uh, uh, really a, a beautiful tapestry that's become the story of Northwest football, but it was also architected and it was also, uh, very intentional of those coaches to cultivate those relationships. When you look back at, uh, your time at Northwest and then have seen the success that the program has had uh, through the years, what type of, uh, sense of pride do you have knowing that, uh, you were there essentially at the, the ground floor of this program and uh, to be able to see what this has become? Well, you know, I, I, I feel gratitude. Uh, I, I do sense a, uh, feel a sense of pride too, but I think gratitude is more, you know, it's not just for being, having the opportunity to play there and with great teammates, but it's also to the guys that really turned the ship. You know, I was there early on, but the guys that don't get enough credit were those 94 recruits that redshirted, the Kevin Singletary's, the Dante Combs, the, you know, people like that that came in there, and they're the ones that shifted the mindset. And then in 95, with Ken Gordon and Cal Brown and, you know, Mark Survey and all that class. I mean, they had they had incredible athletes that came and brought a whole winning winning mindset there, and they never got to taste, taste the sweet victory that we did standing on the podium. But really, they were instrumental. So I'm thankful for, to those guys for for blazing a trail, and then you know, really just um, to to a group of coaches that build an atmosphere where I have lifelong relationships, and that's what that's what I'm most excited about coming back to campus and experiences. Those are guys that, you know, some of them I haven't seen in 20 years. But the minute we connect, it's like we just pick it up, just like we just talked yesterday in the locker room. You know, that, that's that's true friendship. And uh, we, had, we had a whole group of those guys. So that's – it's just a great sense of pride, and it's been cool to see them carry that on and even build upon it since that time. Uh, an incredible bond built, uh, especially any football team, I think, that's that's together that much. But uh, you think about that 99 game, four overtimes. You mentioned earlier today that uh, uh, you were just thinking, you know what, I'm going down swinging. We're not going to win this one, but I'm going to leave it all out there. Well, as that game goes on and they come up and you guys, you know, force a fourth and two, their running back goes out of bounds and they have a false start, con- uh, turnover on downs, and Northwest Missouri State gets the ball back. 
what what's the mindset? What's going through your mind after thinking we're not going to win this football game? To all of a sudden, man, we uh we have about fifty seconds left in the ball. Oh, at that point, there was you know we needed a miracle, <laughs> and we got it. You know, a gift. We needed a gift. We needed something to happen that was out of the norm. And those two things that you just mentioned were those two things. And when they happened, I knew it was over. I mean, I believed it was over. I didn't know it, obviously, but I believed it in my heart. I think that's that's the strength of, uh, you know, it was like that's the only crack we need, and we're going to kick the door down now. And we it, it, and now they barred that door pretty pretty good. I mean, you know, we kicked it down, and then they kicked it down, and, you know, it went back and forth, obviously, uh, for four overtimes. But, honestly, I remember by the end of that game, I expected they were going to score again, and we were going to score again. I knew we were, I really had a sense we were going to come out on top. I didn't know if it was going to be over in four overtimes or eight overtimes, but I was – I was mentally prepared to go eight overtimes if we had to, and I think that was the mentality of the whole team is we're going to do what it takes. Well, thank goodness know? for John. You didn't go eight overtimes. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure he had to use the restroom at that point. But <laughs> uh, it, it, Wes, you look back and uh, you know, going through the, these memories and, and the players and everybody, and, of course, we spoke with Coach Churchma and, uh, and really enjoyed that. But could you take us into a deep dive as well and any stories you might have on your defensive coordinator, Scott Bostwick, and, and what it was like playing for him? Yeah, so Coach Bostwick, was, you know, he was a, a – I would describe him as a beautiful mix of tough, uh, kind of crusty, gritty football coach, defensive coordinator, and – Teddy Bear. <laughs> I mean, on the field, he would he would get after you, you know, and he would demand excellence, and he would raise the bar, and he wouldn't let you settle. And it felt at times like he was just nitpicking, but it, really what it was, but it wasn't just nitpicking. He was a great teacher. That's what was the strength of Scott Bostwick. He truly taught the game, and you learn the game like a coach would learn the game. He, he treated every player like, they're a coach from a standpoint of making you get up on the board and, and asking those why questions. It wasn't just memorizing your responsibility. You had to know everybody's responsibility, and he taught it that way. But, you know, so he would demand that sort of excellence on the on the field, and you may feel like, you know, you, you got your, your rear handed to you a little bit, but he's going to have his arm around you know, walking off the field, and he, he cared about you as a person. And I would say Scott Bostwick had as much to do with that family atmosphere as anybody. Uh, in those early days especially. And so I still see his fingerprints all over that program because he valued relationships. Uh, he, he, he valued people over performance, even though he demanded a high performance. He cared about people. And that was, uh, you know, it, it, was just, it was just a great uh, experience to play for him. And, you know, my heart still hurts that he's not around now. Wes, you might just uh, tell us a little bit about the journey you've taken since uh, your days at Northwest Missouri State as a player. And I know uh, part of your journey has been to uh, uh, relay experiences to not only uh, athletes at Northwest Missouri State, but about, around uh, the region. Yeah, really, um, we started a company in 2014 called the 3D Institute. And I've connected with a guy, his name is Dr. Jeff Duke, but he's just a coach. He coached a long time at Florida State with Bobby Bowden. And, you know, he had an experience with Bobby Bowden, kind of like a lot of us did with Coach T. You know, just this, this guy that was a great coach, but more than that, was a great leader that cared about people and, and created that, that culture and uh, of success and those types of things. But Jeff, 
uh, after he got done coaching, he, he ended up getting a grant and writing a degree program in Florida for coaching. And really the methodology course for that degree program is this thing called 3D coaching, which is just a framework that really helps coaches be intentional about being fundamentally sound. That's what we call the first dimension. Coaches got to be great in the X's and O's. But the best coaches don't only focus on the physicality of the sport, but they're great in what we call the second dimension, which deals with the mindset more. They know how to motivate. They know how to instill confidence and deal with emotions healthy in a healthy way and really create that team culture. That's the second dimension. And then the third dimension is more of the heart. And so that's that, that stuff like identity, character, significance, self-worth, value, purpose. And the best coaches really deal with athletes holistically like that. And when I heard Jeff share that, for me it was this aha moment because for the first time I had language to describe what I was able to experience in that program. So I, I navigated to that really quick. Uh, we began to build a relationship. And now what we're doing is we, we've taken that training, we, we put it into online courses, and really we offer this professional development around the country, helping coach. The way I think about it, we're trying to train up the next generation of Coach T's, you know. Um, and it's just a framework that kind of, even though he wouldn't have self-identified as that, it really kind of gives language to uh, how he coached. And so as a framework, we can create, we can train to that, but at the same time we want people to have their own personalities and everything like that. So it's not cookie cutter. That's what we do. Well, that's, that's cool. It, it's, it's really kind of come full circle for you from, from coming to Northwest Missouri State and unsure about being a Bearcat until you got on campus, but then, you know, playing for Coach T, then all of a sudden coming back around and, and you know, learning those principles and taking them out into the world. So it's kind of crazy how that happens sometimes, but obviously uh, making a big, big impact out there for young coaches across the country. Well, you know, that's, that's my heart. We know that one coach will impact more people in a year than the average person does in a lifetime. And, if we can influence the influencers and help them to, you know, uh, do it in a way that, yeah, helps them win games, that's fine, but really can tra- change the trajectory of a kid's life, that's legacy stuff. And really it's all, you know, extension of the legacy, in my opinion, of, uh, you know, Northwest football and all the people that contributed to that that helped shape me in such a way that's now contributing to this project that's um, reaching more and more coaches around the world. Wes, we, we appreciate your time this afternoon. Get those rings polished up before uh, coming back up to Maryville for the games this year and uh, look forward to see those 98-99 championship rings once again. That's great. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate the opportunity to share. Well, thanks to Wes Simmons for taking some time out of his day to chat with us here on Bearcat Rewind. Always enoy running into Wes and chatting with him and then, of course, uh, collaborating with him here on Bearcat Rewind uh, today as well. And we want to thank our sponsors, the Northwest Missouri State Alumni Association and the Northwest Foundation, as well as Mosaic Medical Center Maryville for their support. Uh, thanks to Alex Kurt for producing the intro and outro music, as well as Austin Hall for engineering the podcast. Watch for a new episode of Bearcat Rewind each Monday throughout the fall. Available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. For John Coffey, I'm Matt Tritton. Thanks for tuning in to Bearcat Rewind.